morning. Welcome to Axios Today. And thankfully, we've made it to another Friday. It's July 10th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. And here's how we're making you smarter this morning. Air travel is facing its greatest crisis, and sports teams across the globe are taking a knee. But first, the long game of Chief Justice John Roberts is today's one big thing. Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts is not the revolutionary conservatives want him to be. Yesterday, the court ended its term with a ruling against President Trump, who now has to release his financial records. Sam Baker is our resident Axios SCOTUS expert, and he's here to help us get inside the mind of John Roberts. Even though he is siding with liberals in these cases, he is not moving the law to the left, but he is exercising his power as the chief justice to move things in a more conservative direction at the pace that he wants and sort of in the way that he thinks they should get there. What's an example of that, of how he's moving the court to the right still? So I think a really good example of this dynamic is the abortion case that the court decided just here at the end of this term. We'll hear argument this morning, case 18-13-23, June Medical Services versus Russo. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court, this case is about respect for the court's precedent. The court had decided just a few years ago, Texas had gone too far with some of its abortion restrictions. Louisiana passed basically the same thing, and that came back up to the court. And Roberts said, we are not going to overturn our precedent. So no, Louisiana loses. That was a ruling with the liberals, but it just keeps the status quo in place. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't expand abortion rights beyond where they were, you know, a year ago. But it would be wrong for people to look at what Chief Justice Roberts has done this term and say he's on the side of liberals. In the 15 years that John Roberts has been the chief justice. The law has moved to the right on almost every issue. The big exception would be same-sex marriage. The balance of Roberts' leadership is a move in a more conservative direction. And, you know, however long he has left, I'm confident that at the end of that, the, the balance will continue to be in a conservative direction. So, Sam, I wonder what you think the John Roberts' view is of how the court should operate. I think the Roberts' view is that the court should in most cases, try to do as little as possible while still resolving the questions before it. So if you can deal with an issue without, for example, striking down a whole federal law, usually that's the way he wants to go. So he has a sort of minimalism in his approach. There are some really huge exceptions to that, like voting rights is a big one, where he is willing to take a much bigger swing to federal law. But in, you know, maybe eight cases out of 10, I would say he tries to sort of move incrementally and cautiously. So, Sam, as we're wrapping up this term and you're looking back on it, I wonder what we've learned about Chief Justice Roberts this term that we think is important for the future. We are learning more about what the idiosyncrasies are of John Roberts, which tells you where the law is headed. I mean, the Supreme Court is the final say on almost any political issue of any consequence. And so, Unpacking all of that is really the only way to understand the law of the land. Sam Baker is our resident Axios SCOTUS expert. We'll be back in 15 seconds with the crisis inside the airline industry. The airline industry had hoped to start recovering this summer from the effects of the pandemic. 
But this week, many airlines instead signaled dire warnings to their employees. Axios's transportation correspondent Joanne Muller has been following this closely. Everyone knew when this crisis hit that it was going to be a long haul to recovery. But there had been some signs that leisure travelers were coming back this summer. But the recent spike in cases in the Sun Belt has really put an end to any hopes of a modest recovery. So this is the week where airlines are sending these really grim letters. We saw one yesterday from Delta and one earlier in the week from United. What are they saying? Well, what they're doing is prepping employees for the very high likelihood that they're going to be laid off. United said, given the recent resurgence of COVID-19 cases across the country, it's increasingly likely that travel demand will not return to normal until there is a widely available treatment or vaccine. And I think that's pretty significant that they're saying passengers really won't be returning to the skies until there's a vaccine. And that could be a long time. Do we have a sense of how many airline employees are out of work right now? The government is supporting the payroll for the airline, so many are actually still collecting a paycheck. But that all runs out at the end of September. And that's why you saw United Airlines warning employees that 36,000 people, which is almost half their company, would potentially be laid off come October 1st. So, Joanne, what are you watching for in September? What do you think is going to happen? Well, unless Congress decides they're going to put more money into the airline industry, and I kind of doubt that, we will see very big layoffs. We will see the airlines get a lot smaller. And for consumers, that means that there'll be more people on each flight. And that makes people uncomfortable. The idea of holding that middle seat open can't last forever. And airlines are working really hard right now to tell people that it is safe to fly. Right. You know, a lot of people worry about whether the air is safe on an airplane. And it actually is pretty safe. Even the health experts at the CDC say so. And uh, every few minutes, the air is recirculated and it's clean and they've got HEPA filters and so forth. But if you're squished shoulder to shoulder with somebody who's sick on a long flight, that doesn't really mean a whole lot. Joanne Muller writes the weekly Navigate newsletter for Axios. The big picture for the airlines is that the economic impact from the virus is far from over. And until there's a viable treatment, we can expect more layoffs, fewer flights, and companies that may not survive. A long, long time since we have had any action on the international arena, and we are getting a bit more action now with all the players taking a knee. In their first game back, cricket players from England and the West Indies kneeled in support of Black Lives Matter. What started as an American movement has gone global. But how much change can this really cause? Kendall Baker is our sports editor. 1968 is probably the last time we saw it on a global scale just because it was happening at the Olympics. But I think now sports itself is more global, whether it's leagues like the NBA in terms of their talent base, whether it's the way people consume sports. And Kendall, I wonder also if we'll see more changes within the sport or if you see the broader impacts being more societal or cultural. Well, I think within the individual sports themselves, there's obviously been cases of systemic racism. I think, though, 
largely a lot of this is a societal issue and almost outside of sports. I don't think the NBA players, for instance, are protesting their own league. I think sports presents a unique platform when it comes to games, when it comes to kneeling for the national anthem. You have this concept of a team. I think that's more impactful than just those individual players isolated at home, tweeting things out, posting stories. So I think that's What's going to be interesting to me to see play out as the NBA returns and MLS obviously back now is the power behind some of the statements teams and leagues as a whole are going to make. Kendall Baker writes a daily sports newsletter for Axios. It's time for our weekly Hamilton segment. Just kidding. But before we start the weekend, I wanted to spread some joy with this incredible coronavirus Hamilton remix. This mask. I am not throwing away this mask. This really should be bipartisan. Come on now. How hard is it? I'm not throwing away this mask. The Holderness family is YouTube and Facebook famous, and they've created a whole series of parody songs during the pandemic. Thing I ask, can we maybe just all agree to wear a tiny flipping mask? Da, 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 da. I've tweeted out a link to that video, by the way, and you can also find it at our Axios Today webpage. That's it for us this week. Axios Today is brought to you by Axios and Pushkin Industries. We're produced by Nuria Marquez-Martinez, Carol Alderman, Kara Schillen, and Naomi Shaven. Alex Sugiyara is our mix engineer. Sarah kehilani Gu is our executive editor. At Pushkin, our executive producers are Lital Malad and Jacob Weisberg. You can write to us at podcasts at axios.com and you can find me on Twitter at Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and have a great weekend.